Hello! 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 Sorry, new voice. And welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, a citizen of the universe and a gentleman to boot, Steel. And I'm Jade, the triumph of intellect and romance over brute force and cynicism, Rose. And today... We're taking a first dive into the wibbly-wobbly, timely-wimey world of Doctor Who, one of geekdom's biggest fandoms, a fandom that both Jade and I consider ourselves part of. Sorry. It's a compulsion. What can I say? For the uninitiated, you could just watch the cold open that Craig Ferguson did a while back that is... Sums things up nicely, including the line that I just pilfered for my opening. Uh, but it's a British science fiction show which has run off and on since 1964. It concerns the adventures of a thousand-year-old alien time traveller with a who, who can, what can, who can change their face <laughs> to save their life and who travels, well, to save their life and also when he inevitably fails to save his yes. life. Who uh, travels with a forever rolling cycle of companions, usually, more often than not, Young Women from Earth. Yeah, the 10th series of the current run since it came back in 2005 Mm -hmm. um, begins this month, um, which I I believe is the 36th season overall. Hell yeah! Um, And we're very, very intrigued and excited. Yes. And um, we'll be watching. Yar! Um, But... The question that most Doctor Who fans get asked, or ask each other, or Whovians, um, is, who is your Doctor? My Doctor is Eleven, played by Matt Smith. He isn't the first Doctor I encountered with. Um, I came in sort of part way through the Eccleston run. I didn't grow up around Doctor Who or anything like that. It wasn't one of the things my parents was interested in, so I'd never watched it. Um, and yeah, I came in sort of part with it. It might have been uh, the two-parter where you meet Captain Jack. Like, I think that was probably where I came in, and I later went back and watched the rest of the season. Uh, David Tennant's run is where I really got into it, I think, and really sort of got captured with the mythology and sort of fell in love with the show. But uh, Matt Smith's Doctor is the one that sort of really resonated with me and has continued to resonate with me even as we've moved on uh, my friend stephanie likes to say i'm fickle <laughs> with my doctors because i was so very very fond of david tennant's doctor uh but she's very judgy and her favorite is christopher Eccleston, <laughs> so she can judge me all she wants but yeah no uh for me it's matt smith what about you and when did you first encounter dot two because i said that with my answer well um as a, my, I have two older brothers who are very nerdy. Um, I um, was born and grew up just as the show got taken off TV uh, first time around in the 90s. Um, and we had a video of um, a four-episode story mm-hmm. uh, called The Curse of Fenric with the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy. Um, and until... Um, a few other things I saw, that was all I thought Doctor Who was. I thought Doctor Who was a four-part 80s <laughs> uh, show set in World War II about vampires. Nice. And in that episode, you don't even see the interior of the TARDIS. Oh, right. Um, so I really just thought... I I gathered that they were time travellers. Yeah. 
but I just did not know much else. Yeah. Um, and that resonates with me. And to me, that's what Doctor Who is. Cool. Um, uh, but I do remember watching the TV movie, mm-hmm. which I was very young, and I thought it was a sequel to Young Sherlock Holmes because <laughs> Paul McGann and Sherlock Holmes in that movie bear a striking resemblance. Yeah. Um, but I think of Sylvester McCoy as my doctor. But um, Eleven was also uh, the first of the new Who com- uh, doctors who I thought, ah, yes, that's the doctor. And I think because he is quite similar to Seven in terms of being a bit clownish and a bit um, distant from his sort of human companions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think most Whovians mm-hmm. have a great appreciation for each pers- each uh, actor's... Yeah, I mean, people will have their Doctors Who that say, yeah, I don't care for. But I'd, unlike, I think, with, say, people who have a favourite James Bond... Mm. which is the easiest equal thing where I can find of where a different actor has portrayed the same role. I think people have appreciation, even if that isn't their favourite, there is something that each actor who portrays the Doctor brings to the role. And even if they aren't your favourite, I think people say, I really love this aspect of the Doctor. It's something I've heard, and if you'll permit me to get a little bit uh, actory. Yes. No, no, but it's, it's a great show for that. Yeah, but I think... I think of the Doctor as being like Hamlet. You aren't playing the Doctor, just as you don't play Hamlet. You sort of portray it through the the filter that is you. Mm. So it's really about your Doctor. I often feel like a Doctor's second season is very interesting because that's when they start really writing for that Doctor. Yeah. Um, often the actor hasn't been cast when scripts start being written. Uh-huh. So that's when they're, what they add to the role. Mm-hmm. Um, for, I do I do prefer Matt Smith's acting in his first season because I think he's trying to find his Doctor and I find it very interesting to yeah, watch. Yeah, same, very compelling. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, I think there's no other role really like it because there's a set of principles and history with the character but there's nothing that... There's no way they have to perform it. No. And any actor can break the... Mould? The mould of what we think of as the Doctor. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also I feel when talking about which Doctor, you have to, ex- like, you can really like a Doctor but not really like their era. Yes, or um, the stories. Yeah, like I, a lot of people seem to really like uh, Peter Davison, the fifth Doctor. Yeah. Um, but I, that's the era of Doctor Who which I've watched and not really connected with. Mm. You sort of, I don't like his stories very much. For sure. But I can still love the performance or yeah. and, and people talk about a lot of how they'd like to maybe mix and match companions like to see mm. different doctors with different companions and how interesting that might be like for example donna with capaldi mm. that would be a potent combination that even if you even just with new who like uh martha jones traveling with christopher eccleston that would have been very efficient yeah, they would have got shit done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel... I mean, I'm, we're going to talk about what we love about Doctor Who. Yeah, And I definitely. think one of the things, and um, it comes up a lot, because I, I want to see a female uh, Doctor, or I want to see someone who is a male portray the role. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that I like about Doctor Who is that it's not lacking good female characters. No. And the show has 
since except um, inception, yes, been um, you know an ensemble mm-hmm. um, in varying uh, sizes, yeah. But it boils often down to um, a double act with yeah. a man and a woman, and um, the Doctor, in a way, is the is the constant, but it's the companions who have the storylines, yeah, who also sort of shape it, yeah. Like, just as I said, like, an act, the actor portraying the Doctor shapes the Doctor, I feel like the companion shapes the stories that we see. Yeah. Like, um, David Tennant, who had Rose... So the Tennant Doctor had Rose, Martha and Donna. That feel, Even those Rose were three years, just quite a short amount of time, those feel like individual eras. Yeah. Um, and it is, to me, it's always, it isn't double acts, and the fact that... It's cool Doctor Who is kind of not very... It doesn't explain the... It doesn't say who the main character is in the same way. I mean, it, yeah. he is the main character and he isn't... Um, yes. The story of the show is always about the companions, I feel. Yeah. Um, the, the driving force. What else, well, what else do you feel is the reason you love it? Um, I think, as again, to use the quote where uh, as come up by Craig Ferguson that I used in my title but ultimately what the theme again and again in Doctor Who is it is about the triumph of uh, intellect and romance over brute force and cynicism but for me what kind of sums up I feel like Doctor Who is like a manifestation of life is about the journey not the destination Mm. which is a philosophy I very much try to embrace in my life. And it's not about where I end up, it's the experiences that shape me in the way. And um, a few years ago, a friend of mine got me a TARDIS pendant necklace. And for those of you that maybe follow me on social media, you will see me wearing it in most of my selfies. And um, I don't wear it as much now because it's starting to fall apart. I put it on today because I knew we were mm. recording this episode. Um but it is that reminder for me, and it is that is there. Like like Craig Ferguson said, there is something inherently romantic, and it's about somebody with maybe the best of intentions who tries to to use their their intellect, what they know, to do the right thing. Mm. And there is something I don't want to say wholesome about that because that's really not the vibe I'm going for at all. But the notion of someone very old and very kind choosing to help people for all the horrible things he may have done in the past and for although the way he views them makes that choice to do good, there is something inherently hopeful about that. Mm. And I think that's very wonderful. And in at different points over the series, it's uh, often just been a show about humanity Yes. Um, and about humans. And um, especially in early New Who, one of the things that the production team really wanted to emphasise is that even if they go to the wildest far-off planet or time, they still want some connection to Earth and humans just yeah. because it's a story about how our main character is this alien and for, you know... 
contrived convenient reasons we need to do a lot of earth stories but mm-hmm. they sell a good a reason why is that it it's so pro humanity mm-hmm. um in a same similar way to star trek but from a different point of view it's nice to see science fiction that isn't cynical yes um to add variety it's nice to see one that says sometimes humans do terrible things but ultimately in the grand history of the universe um they okay, are a force for good yeah um, and maybe you might say that that's a naive interpretation of humanity, but I yeah. like to believe that people, for the most part, are good. Yeah. And I think Doctor Who does, and mm. that's part of why I like it. Um, yeah. It's having me sad and teary in a good <laughs> way there. Um, the, you know the theme of our podcast, so obviously we'll be talking about LGBT and queer ideas. Yeah. There's... um. This is news to me. (laughs) But interestingly, and I'm not entirely sure why specifically, but during the 90s, the show was off air um, and it became viewed as almost a stereotype that gay men were into it. Really? And almost shorthand in the same way of um, like Friends of Dorothy. Oh, right. People said, oh, he likes Doctor Who. Um, There's a joke about it in... uh, Queer as Folk, which obviously is written by Rusty Davis, who brought the <laughs> Um But yeah, there's it, it. For some reason, it connected with, and I think it connects with a lot of people. Yes. Um, I think having that uh, joint lead, and I think the themes make it uh, have quite a um, equal uh, gender-wise yes. sort of fandom. Uh huh. Um, but there's something about it. I think uh, I don't. I don't know the answer of why. I wasn't sort of. I was there in the nineties. Speak I wasn't. for gay men everywhere, Hamish. Why I'm do you all love Doctor Who? I don't know. I think it's similar. Maybe to, <laughs> I think it's similar to maybe to X Men and that and, and other things where it's not. It's not just sci-fi for entertainment's sake. There's something about justice in there, and um, there's something very appealing about a, he- a science fiction hero who goes around seeing injustice. And solves it through talking and becoming friends. And um, uh, I've, I think I mentioned the Doctor Who role-playing game on our role-playing thing. Yeah. Um, which I think encapsulates a element of people, what people like in the show quite well. In the Doctor Who role-playing system, uh, car- uh, players take turns in the order. The person who wants to talk to the enemy goes first. The person who wants to run away goes second. The person who wants to... Um, distract it somehow or use another means goes third and the person who wants to use violence goes last and Doctor Who puts a lot of weight on running away as being a good thing a good way it's like a brave thing to do it's Mm -hmm. a it's not there's so much media which is like we're gonna stay and fight no matter what which you know yeah it has its well that's interesting because one of the defining things about the doctor is he stole a TARDIS and ran away yeah, I mean, the one it, Chris Wilkinson's first season ends in him saying, "I'm a coward." Any day, like that's mm. my defining trait. Rather than be a killer, be a coward. Yeah, um, and that's a point of view. I'm not necessarily thinking it's always the right one, but mm. it's nice to have some balance in the yeah. media we consume. For sure, um, it's one of those things. Doctor Who used to be sort of this jewel in geekdom's crown but that crown's kind of slipped i suppose we should talk about uh why 
we think that is. I mean, I think I know why we know this is. But um, <laughs> reasons for it becoming less the fandom darling that it was. Uh, do we feel like it's due to a lack in quality? Do we think it's uh, due to contract? Is it because new fandoms have come up, like Star Wars has come back in a massive way? Uh, but yeah, in the past few years, Doctor Who definitely is less prevalent. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't even know it's coming back. Yep. Um, I think a lot of people did drop off. Yep. And I think for a, I think you can say we know why. I know why the big... I know what the big... Uh, or who the big... Who? <laughs> um, basically, I think a lot of people say Stephen Moffat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's who you, both, you first think of. But I do think it is a combination of several things. Yeah. Um, and possibly Stephen Moffat not uh, accommodating those other things. Yeah. Um, I do think a lot of... It was a lot of people's like big first fandom mm-hmm. and have simply just grown up. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people who perhaps weren't as familiar with the way Doctor Who runs is David Tennant was so beloved that I think a lot of people stopped watching when uh, uh, when Ten regenerated. Yeah, I um, I on a previous episode when talking about Sherlock said some like anti Moffat things. I actually do appreciate a lot of things he's done and. A lot of his writing a lot of the time. Yeah, no, I um, think what's to be said about Stephen Moffat is I, I'm not we're not saying that he is a bastion of humanity who never fucks up, because he frequently does. He, some of his interactions with the fan community are deeply unfortunate. He said some stuff about women. He also is a man prone to trolling and he does think he's very smart. Yeah. And I can definitely, if I was a, if he, if I had to interact with Stephen Moffat on the personal level, I probably wouldn't enjoy it very much. I'm just gonna say wouldn't. I, I just wouldn't. <laughs> to be honest, no, I'd love to talk to Stephen Moffat about writing. I think a lot of people have issue when he became showrunner. I think people thought he, uh, the sort of style of episodes, because Stephen Moffat written episodes during uh, RTD's era are widely lauded as some of the best of New Who. I think people felt once he became showrunner as well, he was sort of with too much control. I think some of his sensibilities that work wonderfully in small doses, people felt that maybe that became over the top. And that bothers me because there is some wonderful things that Moffat has done in his tenure as, as showrunner. I think there's a lot to be lauded. Yeah. In his like a lot. So the upcoming season is his final season. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about his legacy. Mm-hmm. Um what I was gonna say is that uh I do think if people if people have the opinion that Russell Davis should come back or his era was always better, should possibly revisit some of his. Yeah. Um when I say when people grow up, I actually also mean in terms of I feel fandom grew up. We we analyse media in a way that we necessarily didn't in 2005. Because we're older. We're older. Um, there's some very... Uh, cho- there's some choices. There's in, some um, choices. Russell T. Davis's eras. I feel things that are far worse than things Dean Moffat might have done. Yeah. Um, but 
away from socially justice I- ideas, one of the things which does make me slightly bitter about Rusty Davis's era is how it ended. Yeah. I feel it ends with David Tennant having his whole... A regeneration story in Doctor Who. So when one actor becomes... Uh, takes, you know, leaves yeah. the role and a new actor come in, is usually a little bit of a celebration of that actor while also making way and reassuring the audience that the show goes on, that yeah. uh, the actor changes, but it'll all be okay. And I feel David Tennant's last episode was very... His last line is, I don't I want to go. go. And I kind of feel it didn't set up Stephen Moffat for a success. Yeah. It kind of... It made me a little bit better. Yeah. There's something faintly masturbatory about that <laughs> season finale. Yeah. It it feels... I feel if, if Rusty had carried on, we would be having all the same problems. Yeah. Um, I always had an interesting thing, and I, I, I've spoken to friends about this. Uh, with Russell T. Davis, I always feel that his characters... I loved his, the way he wrote people. Mm. I didn't always get on with how he wrote plot. And when Stephen Moffat, I always felt his plots were very interesting, but maybe he wasn't. He had a very sort of set idea of the characters, and I felt they were less going on. And I think as Stephen Moffat became showrunner, he has these very big ideas, and he likes stakes. He's just he kept trying to elevate some stakes, and if things just keep getting bigger, there's no weight to Mm. them, and it bothers me because some of Stephen Moffat's era is some of my favourite Doctor Who. Yeah, I feel it's a shame that sometimes people have missed out. I understand why people would stop. I'm not saying that people are wrong for having tuned out. Because mm. people, like, yeah, they have their reasons. And I do think if you disagree with a writer or in their attitude, I think that's a, a totally justifiable reason to do a thing. However, if you've maybe done it on principle... I would say there are some episodes that please watch, like Vincent and the Doctor is an amazing piece of television. Mm. Um, there's also there's just lots of nice little moments. I think one of my I think Stephen Moffat uh, sets up a lot of great ideas and doesn't always follow through. Yeah, um, I remember. In, I, also, I feel like with Rusty Davies, he had a harder job. Yes, and an easier job in some ways. Yes. Um, each of his seasons, he just said, "I'm going to bring back the Daleks." Next time, I'm going to bring back the Cybermen. I'm going to. He 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 had the job of introducing all the great elements of Doctor Who mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah, and I think Stephen Moffat got handed a show that people loved, and then had to take it in a, few, a different direction. And he's been very experimental. Each season's been a bit of a weird risk in terms yeah. of. Um, he's messed with the. I, I say messed. Not necessarily a bad way. He's not been afraid to try new things. And you know what? When you try new things, sometimes it blows up in your face. Yeah. And sometimes (laughs) it doesn't. Yeah. And I think some of the experiments paid off. Some did not. I'm not saying I love everything that's happened under Stephen Moffat's era. Because, God, no. God, no. But But I don't think he does either. I think he, I think as a seemingly professional troll, I feel like he went in going, I'm going to put some big stamps on Doctor Who. Yeah. He's... When I was trying to think about what his legacy will be remembered as... Yeah. I think people are going to remember the controversy... Yeah. ...a lot. But there's a lot of things he's done which I think is quite interesting. Um, I mean, one of the big things he did was canonise the idea that 
genders can be changed through regeneration. Mm -hmm. And initially handled very well, I felt. felt, um, He's... Stephen Moffat loves Doctor Who. He does. (laughs) And I think he understands that... In Doctor Who, there was a very first time they ever mentioned regeneration. And there was a very first time they ever mentioned the Doctor having two hearts or where, like, it's not like everything about the universe was set up in episode one. And I think he has a great time uh, adding and contributing to, like, the mythology of the show. Um, Often in quite a brazen way that might... I think that can rub people up the wrong way. See, I mean... Again, I think Russell T. Davis could set up all these great things, like a time war, mm-hmm. and then make... And because when it came back, it was it was a continuation, but also was a little bit of a reboot. It was set in its own little yeah. continuity. Um, whereas historically, the show's had quite little continuity, or it's been quite vague yeah. with it. I, I think a way of thinking about it is Stephen Moffat's had more balls to juggle. Because there's more, as you go on and on, there's more can more canon to draw from, and he's yeah. and sometimes he's decided to show off and throw a chainsaw into the stuff that he's juggling. <laughs> I just I, I don't know how well this metaphor is working for you. Well, I think my one of my big frustrations with Stephen Moffat is he does set up great ideas and then doesn't, doesn't use fall. them. Like for example, the cracks um, in the universe. I was thinking like um, there's an episode called Asylum of the Daleks, yes, which ends with the Daleks. Uh, the Doctor's being wiped from all Daleks' memory. They no longer know who he is. Mm-hmm. And, the, and that's like doing that to the Joker or yeah. something. Like, the Doctor's greatest enemy no longer know who he is. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to set an episode in, yes. or like an arc. The exact next time we see the Daleks, there's a line of dialogue saying, oh, we remembered. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. But yeah, no, the very idea of a, of a Dalek who is not a Dalek, like... the. Uh, I don't think I'm worried to use the term insane. No, in that case, they are. And I thought there was some really fun stuff in that, really interesting stuff in that episode, like the perception of that. That yeah. had some really Steve, cool stuff Steve in Stephen puts, like, a season worth of ideas into an episode. I feel like Stephen Moffat is, like, a defining... Let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Like... And some stuff <sighs> sticks, and he hasn't really noticed, and he lets it drop off the wall. Yeah, and I it, it's a frustrating thing. Like, I would love to sit next to Stephen Moffat while he's writing a script and just slap his hand occasionally nope. and just, like, save that for another episode. Yeah, you don't need to put it all in one place. And it is at the expense of... I do like his characters, but it's at the expense of taking time for the audience to get to know them. Yeah, he wants everybody to love them immediately, sometimes. It's kind of interesting. So I, I think about when Martha was introduced and Rose. Mm. Um, less so Donna, because she first was seen as a wedding dress in the TARDIS, yeah. but in her first, like, companion episode, Rusty Devs always introduces companions with just, like, a really tight, like, mm. two minutes of you getting everything, you know, needs to know about them. Yeah. Like, you see Rose, you see her house and her flat and her mum and her boyfriend and her job, mm. you see her opinion on things, and then you start the episode. And Martha is, like, you see her walking down the street, you see her job, you see her family and all that stuff. And that is... That's one way. Mm. And I feel the companions... You get super introduced, their their arc is um, gradual and subtle, and then in their final episode you kind of see the, the climax of mm. that's where they went. And I think with Stephen Moffat's companions of, so far we've only had Amy and Clara, yeah, 
and Rory, but I'm saying like, you know, the main ones introduced, they were both introduced as mysteries. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why people got rubbed the wrong way. Yeah. I think when Moffat was really successful with episodes like Blink and the library under It's because they are mysteries. They're mysteries and they're but in introducing your your co lead to the show, yeah. You can't you you can't ever find yourself getting to know them until they're gone. Yeah. I mean, um, we've talked a lot about what issue... I, we've not really gone into too many specifics of what people have issues with within Steve and Moffat's run. Um, a lot of this stuff has been well written about by people who are not trying to cram all their thoughts into an hour. Um, <laughs> go out there. But what do we think um, maybe people... If they haven't been watching, maybe what we can say... Maybe have you considered looking at this particular episode? Things that maybe people have missed out on? Um, I would say a big thing for me that I would say if you oh you haven't watched since the end of time or like yeah I would say watch some Missy because Mm. I just find it a delight and I do think um you know I think there's better people to have a discussion than me about uh how they handled having a previous uh, basically the master in the previous series has regenerated um, previously only played by male actors, now played by a female actor. Um, and it's interesting because this isn't trying to tell the same story you would if the Doctor did this. Mm-hmm. There's a very specific personality that comes with the Master and yes. Missy. And I think, honestly, on a base level, it's just that she's really fun to watch. She's mm-hmm. very... she's. You can tell Stephen Moffat went through several, um, you know, evil lady villains mm-hmm. and then finally realised, oh, this is what I've been wanting to write this whole time. Yes. I've, I've wanted to be writing a female master. Yeah. But it took me a long time to work out. Um, for me, I would say that one Vincent and the Doctor, I, I already <laughs> mentioned, is such a spectacular episode. I would, in theory, I might make a list the evolution of the relationship between Eleven, Amy and Rory. It's one of my favourite dynamics in the TARDIS. Mm. As a, a, man, a man and woman, it harkens back to times gone by. But the evolution of the three of them as a unit, Amy's evolution as a character, the nature of things changing, and I'm going to ignore some of the more complicated aspects, but if if I was to pick out a couple of their episodes, like the Doctor Dream, uh, the Dream the Dream Lord. The Dream um, Lord. Amy's Choice. Amy's Choice. Um, cubed. Yes. The, the Power, power of three. three. Yeah. yeah, I forget which one title they went with. The Power of Three. Like, right, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm a filthy shipper who likes poly ships. <laughs> yeah. But even in a non-romantic sense, that dynamic, the three of them, is wonderful. And it's so interesting. And I feel like Amy and Eleven had such a fantastic relationship and it's so heartbreaking in the best possible way to me. I also think you should watch Asylum of the Daleks because while I have some issues with Clara's time as Eleven's companion, I feel a lot of that was under, was sort of rectified by her time with Twelve. The first appearance of Oswin Oswald, while the mystery aspect that would come later is frustrating, I thought Oswin Oswald as a character, mm. that introduction was so good. You see a lot of people cosplay her. 
Yeah, there's um, a reason. More than maybe Clara. Yeah. Um, Clara, again, I would I would recommend Clara's arc with 12. Yes. Because it's just unlike... Unlike uh, anybody else's. Unlike anybody else's. And, um, yes, it started with that mystery, but... Yeah, it kind of they kind of abandoned that, and I and that's yeah, but, why Moffat's run is kind of yeah frustrating. But you know that's what's good about Clara with twelve is the mystery is sort of done. It then becomes Clara helps twelve, and by the time you, by when you come to the sort of end of Clara's time, mm. it's almost like she's the Doctor and he's the companion. Yeah, I mean, th- and I think it's such an interesting twist on the show from a metatextual uh, metatextual s- standpoint. Yeah, so Rose, Martha and Donna and New Who had only had one season with their doctors. Rose had two, but with different yeah. doctors. And I feel both Amy and Clara really explore what happens if you're a companion with the doctor for a really long time. Yes. Amy added up, spends like yes. her whole life from when she's eight to in her, in her 30s. 30s the with doctor the is doctor. this defining presence in um, her life. And Clara is, an, is a look into what happens if you're sort of addicted to being a companion or yes. like if you end up not dying in all these yeah. you know, scrapes every single time and it shows how actually it can be quite a destructive relationship yeah and that's um, fascinating they did some really lovely scene there's so many lovely scenes with clara and the doctor where she's just so angry or yeah it's it's weird like i i love Rusty Davis is like, when you're in the TARDIS, you're at home and it's all lovely and fun adventures. And quite often during Moffat's run, I feel you feel a little bit weirded out by either the doctor or the companion, or mm. I think. I don't think Moffat wasn't afraid to make you feel uncomfortable or yeah, question things. Like, like, some people didn't like Clara, but I think Moffat didn't want you to like her at times. Yeah, she wasn't she was, meant to be likable 100% of the time. Yeah, and I think that's interesting from a writing and an acting. Yeah. Viewpoints. Also, one thing that I really enjoy from Moffat's run is his exploration of the TARDIS. Mm. The Doctor's Wife mm. and Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. I feel two episodes. One is with Amy as well. So, yes. yeah. You know, she's not in the episode much. Mm. Um, and then Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS with Clara. As somebody that is deeply captivated by the notion of a spaceship that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. It's so at the core of Doctor Who. When you think of Doctor Who, you think of that bright blue box. Yeah. That crazy man and his blue box. And I love that they that Moffat took the time to maybe delve into this aspect. And I thought that was really fun. Hmm. I mean, speaking of it's bigger on the inside, um, we... Season ten has a new companion, and part. How does that follow from bigger on the inside? No, I'm going to say part of okay, part cool. of what Doctor Who is great at is rebooting itself every yes. few years, and what's exciting is to see a new companions think how are they going to do the it's bigger on the inside? How are they going to? Yes. Like, what's their opinion of Daleks going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, some pe- a lot of people complain about how. Uh, all the companions recently are present-day Earth girls, and while I'd like to see some more variety, I actually admire Doctor Who in saying you can do all kinds of characters with present-day Earth girls. They're not all the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've got this new character coming in of Bill Potts. <laughs> uh, one who I love... In the trailers that we've seen so far, as a personality, I'm like, I like this girl. 
Yeah. And that was before we had a very exciting announcement. Um, so Bill is the Doctor Who Doctor Who, and I put this in little quotation marks because it's quite specific. Yeah. Is the show's first openly gay main companion. Um because she is by far not the first case of LGBT representation in Doctor Who. Which is a, a wonderful rare thing to say about a franchise. Isn't it? Um I think yeah, the LGBT representation in Doctor Who doesn't get commended enough for just being, being blazingly it's obvious. Part, yeah, it's in the it's in there. Yeah, and I think that's part of what I was saying in the nineties. There's there's no overt representation in classic Who. Yeah, um, I cannot read Ace as being the the character. There's a companion called Ace. Mm. She is definitely not straight. Um, but uh, when Rusty Davis came back, um, I'm sure it was a complete. You know, he was a very famous writer, and I'm sure it was a a rule of his employment. Yeah, that there would be a vert representation. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say almost from the off, but I actually don't know. Mm-mm. Um, but it it it's so matter of fact now in Doctor Who. It's mm-hmm. not. It's no. I don't even like jump for joy when I see it in an episode. No. I'll notice more if it hasn't there hasn't yeah. been representation for a while. Which is interesting because with this announcement and Stephen Moffat's come out and is kind of almost annoyed about the announcement happened and while Stephen Moffat has said a great many things that I would like to smack him for um, in this case he said we don't deserve a pat on the back for this. This shouldn't be a big thing we're making a song and dance about. LGBT people are a part of life. And he said you should be saying what took you so long. Yes. And that was... So and I said, yes, thank you, Stephen. Please invite more criticism upon yourself. Now, I say openly because I don't think Clara was straight. Clara was not straight, and neither, for the record, was Amy. No. um, But that was also not confirmed within text. And we also say main companion because... Mm -hmm. And we also say gay... Yes. Because... uh, Jack Harkness. Jack Harkness was the first LGBT companion. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, River Song. River well, not a full-time companion. It's never been straight. No. Um, there's also a few recurring characters. You have um, Madame Vastra and Jenny. Which I know people have issues with. And because I know what people complain about, oh, I'm a lizard woman from the dawn of time and this is my wife. And people get annoyed about that. And I'm just like, yeah, but also you cannot ignore that overt kind of representation. There is no way you can go and know. They're just friends. The other thing is that, and I think I have to always remind Americans more so of that, is that Doctor Who, the showrunner currently calls it a children's show. It's family television. It's it airs at 7pm on a Saturday here in the UK. Yes, it's directly aimed and targeted and merchandised and for... Children. Children, as well as adults. You're allowed to watch. Yes. But name other children's media where you have characters saying, you know, this is my wife. Um... I think it should be commended, and the fact that Doctor Who's one of those shows where we often talk about, oh, if only there was just a few more characters we can, mm. um, you know... Yes. Uh, we could allow these kinds of characters to exist, but... So Doctor Who has had some, like, sloppy bits of representation. Yeah. But I don't, for example... It's also been there, and what we've talked about before, over and over again with representation, is the more you do it, the less you have to pin... Yes. On that example of it. So you often... You can, so you can fuck up. Yeah. And, like, you often get episodes where 
you have a character just flippantly mention that, oh, my wife or, you know, you have little confirmations. Like Sky in Midnight, who talks yeah. about an ex-girlfriend. Um, oh, ex-wife, sorry, that she's ex-wife. getting divorced. Yeah, no, there's no blink of an eye or anything from anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't read and then she sort of becomes the villain of the episode gets possessed and things and you're not reading oh is this the writer's view of lesbians no because the show isn't saying that it no it has representation in all in all times and spaces as well yeah she's a woman from the future it's not even confirmed she's human yeah and um i don't know it's it's wonderful and i i hope it keeps continuing Mm. but it's a circle slightly back uh to to bill and what we were saying about companions being a mystery versus being... And what we were saying is Bill, and I think they've talked about this, like it's sort of a return to a very sort of normal, quote, normal person. Yeah. And what Hamish and I were saying before we started is how awesome and at the same time how it shouldn't be made a big deal, but how wonderful that normal is a black lesbian. Yeah. They this said is, that this the... is being prevented as this is humanity now. No bells, no whistles, nothing fancy. This is yeah. who she is, and it's interesting. I've seen, I've seen less comments in articles than usual about people saying, "Oh, why are they making a big deal about it?" Um, I've seen a lot of people say, "I'm really glad, so that there's no forced romance with the Doctor," <laughs> or uh, I, people just seem excited about difference or something new. Yeah. Even people who normally i would think are the people commenting saying like oh stop making it political yeah um people accept that part of doctor who is different people with different you know yeah you've had tin dogs and you've had Mm -hmm. (laughs) people from sort of savage planets or whatever you know you have variety um which makes me question yeah do you Mm. think the doctor is Cishet. In as much as Earth standards of gender and sexuality can be applied to a th- <laughs> sexuality, sexuality, sexuality Ex-tamination. can be applied to a, to a thousand-year-old alien. Mm. Um, he is humanoid, however, apart from the two hearts. Um, we are presented um, with a character that is nominally cishet. Yeah. He appears, he has been portrayed by cis men for his the entirety of the show's run. Cis white men, but that's another mm. question for another time. And so I think that ascribing the definition of cis is sort of going to happen, even though um, he's an alien. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the, the show in the last few years has completely confirmed and shown on screen visually that people can change race and gender. gender. And we're talking about in terms of the actors they cast. Yes. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by the idea of how the Doctor would... Because the Doctor has self-identified as a madman of a box yes. and things like that. Um, how their language would... And I'm already talking about the Doctor as they, then. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually that's something I quite liked. The, the second Missy was Missy was introduced as a mystery character, but a, the second that um, she was revealed, revealed the master's Wikipedia page changed to they them pronouns, um, mm. and I just wonder. How, 
as much as I would love the show to go in these directions, I just don't know if there's a current writer in the realm Pool? of who yeah. yeah, Doctor Who pulls from that I would trust. I mean, Hamish and I have been lucky enough to be at a number of panels and things, people discussing the likelihood of a female Doctor, what we'd like to see, things like that. And the representation of sort of trans characters or non-binary characters is is an interesting one and how the nature of how one identifies one's gender when one can change gender with regeneration is is an interesting one. Um, and one that I really hope to see explored. And at the end of the episode, I might address in one very particular instance of how I'd like to see that explored. With regards to sexuality, I know a very popular thing is to uh, discuss with the Doctor is with regards to him being asexual. Mm. And that not attracted to humans, but... We've seen on every version of the Doctor, we have seen different ways he relates to his companions. Um, I think there are some Doctors that are very clearly not interested in anything of that nature with the people they travel with. And there are instances where the Doctor seems very much in the idea. I think it's impossible to not look at Ten and Rose and not see a deep, a deep uh, romantic mm. attraction there. Sexuality-wise, it's kind of... How the Doctor relates to people varies from actor to actor, and I think that is fine, and I think that is interesting. And it comes back to how the lens of an actor portraying a role adds to that. It might be interesting if we continue seeing a a man playing the role to have um, an openly gay actor, an openly gay actor of colour, playing the Doctor, and how in turn, we might perceive those relationships with the people around them. I mean, I find it slightly intriguing, um, all other issues aside, that we have Bill playing um, the first gay companion. Um, In the season, we also have on and off Matt Lucas, who's an openly gay actor. Um, I've not seen any discussions about whether his character is straight or not. Um, I don't think people care enough about his character. No. But um, I think it's interesting. I I always viewed the Doctor as someone who wants to blend in. I think um, he does it badly. Yeah. Like, the way he dresses. um, I feel like... I feel like were a um, woman to be cast, that it would make sense for the Doctor for... And I hate hate saying this, but for ease of time travelling to stick so to change pronouns it's a hell of a lot easier to take charge of the room when you're a white man well this is the thing i don't want to i don't want to give like in-universe excuses for sloppy casting um for lazy casting i would say not sloppy okay yeah because yeah the actors have been good it's just that you know that they're only considering certain people yes the the um I would be very intrigued at how you would write the first scene in medieval England when a black woman, as the doctor, wants to jump on the table and, you know, rally up the town. I want to. I don't want it to be like, you know. Uh, you know, because there's something inherently to the doctor that they have that confidence and that ability to do that. That to a certain point, that wouldn't be curtailed by gender. It's. Um, I think it, you've had sort of nods to it, like, I think it's, um, I forget, I think it might be called the Shakespeare Code, when they go to uh, Tudor England, uh, Doctor and Martha. 
And she's just like, I'm a black woman. Mm. in and he's just like walk around like you own the place and people don't question it and i think that'll be an interesting thing to see play out i yeah i mean i'm speaking from a white perspective but as am i as a viewer i sort of appreciated that um it was addressed in a very light way yes when martha who was the first black main companion mm-hmm. um became companion and they decided to they could they had a choice to make the show tends to... Uh, th- there is a term colourblind casting of historical stuff. Yes. Um, the show does tend to lean that way. Um, mm-hmm. But just in those brief little moments... Um, the fact that they show that they are aware, even if yeah. maybe they don't... I mean, like, like we said, it's a children's show. You yeah. don't want to make anyone feel like they couldn't be on board the TARDIS. For sure. Um, and I think they do a good job of that. Yes. Yeah. It just needs to be light and subtle, and remember, it's what Doctor Who's job. There's certain points in history that Doctor Who should never do an episode about. Yeah, yes. And no matter how it, it's the 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 nature of it, they being will do a, it wrong. Yes, you will do it badly. The nature of it being a time travel adventure show instantly makes that inappropriate. Yes. Um, the tone of the show means you do not go to certain places. Yeah. And address certain themes. Um, but as sci-fi. They have done episodes about wonderful subjects. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what they do with Bill Potts as both a black person and a lesbian, and if that will be touched on in the same way. I think maybe they won't. I think... It'll be interesting to see. be interesting to see. And, and I am eagerly looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do brief updates on the Catch Up Geek Outs. Yeah, as, as as the season goes on. Hopefully we'll be able to stay positive about it. Mm. Uh, but speaking, <laughs> speaking of how the show has this loose format and there's this wide potential, Hamish, as the more directorially inclined <laughs> of the two of us, if you were to be showrunner on Doctor Who, what changes would you make? What would you like to do with it? Oh... I think about this a lot. Do you? I do. <laughs> I don't know. I would like to, you know, I'd like to play with the doc, play with, play with the doctor in terms of casting. Um, something I really like about classic Who, and I don't know, none of it aired when I was alive. Yeah. So I don't know what it was like uh, to be there. But going through it, I quite like how you're never quite sure when companions are going to leave or stay. I I understand why the show wants to launch and say, here's our new actor playing the companion and here's how they're going to define this season. But I quite liked in Classic Who, just it, the companions sort of drifted in and out and you'd have nice little team-ups and you'd have one companion and the Doctor and then someone would come More in fluid. and then, they, then the original companion would go and then... I feel like I'd love to do something like that where um, it might even work as a season. Like you, you could have one season where this is the doctor traveling through time. This season takes place over a hundred years of their life. And we see that could be really like, cool. glimpses of companions and you could get some really interesting guest stars just yeah. to play a companion for a bit. And um, I love leaving gaps. to f- So I, there's another thing about Doctor Who is it's not just a TV series, there's audio adventures and books. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Moffat's very aware of that um, and has left a lot of gaps 
Yeah. Um, which is sometimes a bad thing, but... But also gives room for these other places yeah. and the, these other pockets of the universe to yeah. breathe and expand there's a, into. There's an episode which um, of the recent series, uh, of a few seasons ago called Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. And one of the wi- one of the things it did is that in the first five minutes it set up that the Doctor's going to pull a gang of people he's met on other adventures together. He's putting a team together. And you have, like, Amy and Roy, the main companions, like, oh, here are all my other, like, companion friends who I've had adventures with. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of one single thing I'd do. I just, I'd love to... Mm. have such good potential. Yeah. What about you? I uh, see, I don't want to be showrunner. I want to be the Doctor. I want to be see, the Doctor. See, that's my vision for Doctor so Who. Bad. Cast you as the Doctor. Um, it's on a lot of my descriptions on social media is wannabe Time Lord and it is the role I think I would most like to play I don't think I should be the next Doctor though if they were to turn up at my house and say <laughs> you we want you I'd be like yes okay take me now um, I, 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 I would like to see people of colour play the role before I get my grubby little mitts on it but as a non-binary actor who loves this universe I want to play in it so very much an interesting thing about Doctor Who is that although I although I know only white men have played it technically anyone could and at any age mm-hmm. I know um, I think Peter Capaldi was considered for the Doctor at two different points oh, interesting. in the show's run. Um, like, once when he was much younger, sort of in the 80s and things. Oh, cool. Um, and it, that's what's kind of interesting, is that there's no sort of... There should be no cut-off point. I want, I want to see someone really different play the role. Yes. I think there's a, again, in-universe explanation that the Doctor loves himself a bit, so yeah. when he regenerates, wants to be... A white dude with weird hair. Yeah. But... Um, I have weird hair down. Yeah, you have the Doctor hair. It's funny, there's like Doctor traits that kind of remain. Mm-hmm. I do think... I don't think it's in the show, but you can view every regeneration as a response to the last one. Yes, very um, much so. You have like... In just the last few ones, you have Christopher Eccleston who, you know, is war-torn or whatever, and he regenerates into someone who wants to be that like perfect dream boyfriend that... Four rows. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tenth Doctor is established in canon as liking him, his own appearance yes. and liking himself. So when regenerates, tries his best to be another like young white guy with brown hair, but <laughs> goes all, off. Of, it's all forehead. Go but off no a few eyebrows. marks. And then in Matt Smith's final um, episode, he like grows really, really old. So and turns Scottish. And turns Scottish because <laughs> of Amy. Scottish. But um, I refuse to believe that he didn't choose a Scot. Because of Amy. I mean, that's the other thing is that it doesn't matter how many times you've been in the show, you can still be cast. You can be Doctor. back. You like can they, be back. they start, they uh, make some references in um, Capaldi's first season about, about why he chose that face. He's purposely regenerated into someone he met because it's to remind himself. Yeah. Um, of why you, why I do always save do. someone. Yeah. Um, mm. It's interesting. I'm interested. Yeah. I, also, for the record, BBC, if you're listening. The Rose and Steel era of Doctor Who sounds like it would be the fucking coolest era of Doctor Who. Just putting that vibe out there. Yeah. I mean, Doctor Who is actually one of the reasons I started writing. Yeah. I think part of it is how big they put the writing credit up as, yeah. like, 
this is their story mm-hmm. and I really appreciate that and yeah it's very influential to me so but I think we're going to talk about Doctor Who on future episodes um a fair bit in just in passing yeah it's, it's a good it's a touchstone for Hamish and I in a lot of ways um as geeks as consumers of media as fans and so it's always going to be important to us and as yeah it's going to definitely pop up in future geek outs, I'm sure. Mm. And I really am intrigued to see what we go where we go with our first gay companion. Yeah, no, most definitely. This is this is <laughs> this is good. This is good news. Um, but until next time, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. You asked because I was going <laughs> to quote some fucking more Doctor Who. <laughs> So as always, I'm going to thank Graham Wall. I'm sorry. The audio of the uh, audio overlord and ha master of the sound waves. He'll appreciate that emphasis for our theme music. Uh, he helps produce the podcast, and he does so with a smile. Uh, please check out his work at GrahamWaller.com. Uh, he's got a podcast, The Mix Cave. Check him out. Um, and thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep forgetting to thank you guys, but I really appreciate you. And I also appreciate you if you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or your podcasting format or app of choice. Um, please yeah. also send a no box, box pop suggestions, questions, mini topics. Please do. We are Box Not Included on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Twitter, and at Gmail. You can get in contact with us in all of those places and on our individual Twitters. I'm Jdocs for Rose. I'm at Hamish Steele. And really, we'd love to hear from you because you guys make this podcast what it is. I mean, Hamish and I can hang out and take the mic away. We do this anyway. But we want to hear from you guys because we make this for you guys to listen to. But um, until next time... I'm Jade Rose. And I'm Hamish Steele. There are worlds out there where the sky is burning and the seas asleep and the rivers dream. People made of smoke and cities made of song. Somewhere there's danger, somewhere there's injustice and somewhere else the tea's getting cold. Come on, Hamish. We've got work to do. And for you listening, don't let anyone box you in. (laughs) 